We learned everything that we know right now from the transferable skills that we picked up from learning the vending machine business, how to start an LLC, how to get an EIN, how, who to go to for business checking accounts that are free. Like all of these different resources that we plug into any business that we can start. Like that started there. So now our perspective of teaching our people is simply that. Hey, what's going on? Is your host, Tolu Oyemi, doing the most? Let's get to it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Now back to the episode. Hey, 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 what's going on? My Wait, masterminders, hold up. We got, ex- we got something. Uh, this is the first time on the podcast, man. We have two guests at the same time. I was joking with them earlier. I said we got two for the price of one. We got Maya and Rari in the house today, serial entrepreneurs. They are taking over the game from the vending machine, real estate, credit, and more. Maya, Rari, welcome to the show today. What's going on? Thank you for having us. Yes, yes. Yeah, nah, I'm super excited because you guys are a treasure house of such valuable information. Like, and even talking to Raya earlier today, and she was talking about the vending machine and how artists the easiest entry to business to kind of teach the community. And even talking about real estate, which is a lot more complex. But when you look at our community and society, Real estate is like one of the number one predictors for like generational wealth. And, exactly. and you, you guys are talking about credit. I'm finna do the Bobby Smurder dance over it about a week ago. <laughs> throw my cap out there. So I'm I'm super excited. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. Masterminders, y'all go ch- I'm gonna leave all the links, you know, as usual, but y'all go check them out. Go support them, go follow them. But welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you for being here today. Yes. Thank you for having us. Super excited to be here. Nah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So, Maya, right. How how did all of this like how did all of this come together? How did this partnership start? Like how did this interest in business with both of y'all entrepreneurs from years and years and you just had that in your family was mom, dad, entrepreneurs like how did you get interested in entrepreneurship? Mhm. Go ahead, you can go first. Yeah, so I think for it's definitely been a, a collaborative journey, but I think that both of us have different lenses um, to say that. And so for me, like, you know, I there's no entrepreneurship in my family minus my father. Like my father, he, you know, he, he's a business owner, but there was never a conversation. You know, there was never a, let me take you out and show you this. There was never a, you know, this is how you do this, or this is what LLC is that didn't exist. And so I think, you know, as I climbed the educational ladder, I went to undergrad, I got a graduate graduate degree, I got a job, you know, my family's looking at me like, why are you dissatisfied? You know, I was grateful. I am grateful, but that's not enough because I think that, you know, as we started to learn more, you know, we just become, we became more exposed to things. And so it's like, wait a minute, this isn't the only way. And I think, you know, that fatigue, you know, working in our jobs and dealing with certain things that were just like ridiculous, (laughs) essentially, um, it, it was just like, okay, there has to be another way. And so, you know, we'll talk about how we got started with vending, but that was the beginning of that. Just getting tapped into other perspectives and other viewpoints and, you know, learning about what other people were doing. And I think the biggest piece for me was figuring out how I could, not only how I could do it for myself, 
but how I can make it my own journey, my own path, because everybody's situation is different. You know what? This is that gold sister, whole sister. <laughs> Let me see your gold sister. This is that. Not a muscle. <laughs> Lady Marvel. <laughs> Lady so, many, okay. so many people and what made you dissatisfied about working in the job were you like and what kind of job was it yeah yeah and so this is something that we're really open with so i went to virginia tech for undergrad public relations degree decided to go into higher education meaning that i was working at a university and working with students like student development so that's what my master's degree is in so after that i ended up working at a university and housing so i don't know if y'all heard like a ra or a resident assistant i supervised them their students wow. student staff on campus and i ran a building so the easiest way to say that is like i'm a proper i was a property manager for students mm-hmm. for like college dorms essentially and so with that i really did like the job and things like that but it was just like okay you know, as I'm thinking about moving up and things like that, it was just like, this just seems like too much. It just seems like it's going to take too long. And um, I'm seeing other people around me who are doing, you know, they might still have a nine to five, but they're also doing other things. Um, and something for me, as it pertains to the real estate space, which is kind of like my specialization, is that I was able to, you know, purchase my own home, convert it into a duplex and then make money. Once you do something and you're exposed to it, it's like you can't unsee it. And so that's just where the scaling has has come from um, and and where the motivation for that has come from and figuring out, okay, how can I keep doing this now without using my own money, now without saving for a year or two to obtain a home, but now I can do it with credit. So of course we'll jump into into the credit piece, but yeah, it was just like, came to a point, especially with COVID, where one stream of income was not enough. Mm. Like it was it's frightening to only have one, right? Because what if, I, what if the the students are gone? There was a point in time where I was concerned about keeping my job because students are on campus. So if they're not on campus because of COVID, what am I doing? Mm. Um, what does that look like for you know financial stability and security? So I don't work in that space anymore. I actually work for a real estate tech company um, right now in marketing. Yeah, I work for Realtor.com. Um, I'm a product marketer. And so I do that. I really love it. But again, I'm on their time, you know? Mm-hmm. So even though I, we have the businesses on the side, like eventually that's, it's going to be, you know, full time. Wow. So I don't take up too much No, please. Di- like, look, this, oh, see, let it all out. Let it all out. We're going to get into it. We're going to yeah. talk the details. We're going to let the people know because it's so, okay. You decided to get your own house and then convert it into a duplex. Like, what? Were you reading something somewhere? Did you watch, you know, like a YouTube video, like on Instagram and give some game? Like, what made you say, you know what? Let me convert this into a duplex. Let me rent this out and start using it. Could you talk to us a little bit about that process and how that came to be? Yeah. So, you know, as we're, like I said, learning about people who are getting into real estate, house hacking, one of the very first people that um, I tapped into, we both tapped into when it came to real estate was Deandra McDonald. Like she actually attended college at the rival university. So that's why I was drawn to her. I'm like, this, this, this woman, she went to UVA, you know. I remember when I first met her for the first time, I brought that up. I was like, I went to Virginia Tech and she like, ah, you know. So um, you know, we first got tapped in that way. And that's when I learned about house hacking. And so I was like, okay, well, I can purchase a, a single family home, but I don't wanna 
I don't want roommates. Like, mm. I don't want that. And so um, we started looking for duplexes and multifamilies in our area. We couldn't find anything that was in our price range that was decent, right? Everything that was in our price range needed a lot of work. And so Ranisha, look, at this point, I was fed up. I was like, we cannot find anything. What is going on? We've been looking for a good three or four months, like hard, hardcore looking for a space and finally came across a single family. Ranisha sends it to me. I'm on my phone like, this is a single family. What, what, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. So I look at the pictures and I notice there's two kitchens. And so I was like, wait, what? So I called my realtor, me and Ranisha talked. And you said, wait a minute, realized, there might be something here. Hold on. Yeah, wait I was like, minute. the kitchen photos look different. Yeah. So I realized <laughs> essentially this was a two story home. You enter through this, the first floor downstairs. It's a kitchen, a one bedroom, one bath, living room, regular setup. You go up the steps and there's a mirror image of that. Wow. And so we were like, wait a minute. Well, we can convert this into a duplex by cutting, blocking off the stairs and then creating a separate entrance around the back. So that's essentially how we, you know, created two units out of one. And so that's, that's, (laughs) who thought of that idea? Like that's creative. That's really creative. That was our idea. Yeah, it was was our (laughs) idea because again, we had to make it work. We weren't finding the traditional duplex or triplex in our area for our price range. So we're like, all right, well, this will work if we are able to put in the work to, you know, physically make them separate. Mm -hmm. And and to be able to take a living accommodation and say, because I've heard of like the FHA and there's like Mm -hmm. the Burr method and there's like, you know, you know, they're like staying in there. So you were able to find like a tenant to live and that tenant is then able to cover like uh, the certain percentage. Uh, yeah. And especially if you- I'm certain the whole thing. Yeah. Cover the whole thing. That's just the bottom. Yeah. That's just the bottom. <laughs> so, and, and we're very open when it comes to numbers because it's important to have that context. So the mortgage is $1,000 even, right? Utilities are about $200 or less, depending on if they're going crazy that much. <laughs> um, and then, or, or really the time of year, you know, certain times of year is real high, your air is going to be higher, or it's real cold, your heat's going to be higher. So, um, so the downstairs unit is our long-term tenants, right? Those are the people that they're graduate students, they're in law school and the MBA program. They're not trying to leave. They just want to be settled. So I'm glad I locked them in. So their rent is $1,200. Remember, I told you mortgage is a thousand, utilities are 200. So as long as they pay their rent monthly, we break even, right? So I only made one mortgage payment since I purchased the home April of last year. They've covered every single other, every other month because they started in July, paid June. And um, upstairs now we rent to, it's a short term rental space. So we rented to travel nurses, travel professionals, usually like on a three month basis, because that's usually like the the term of their um, agreement for travel nurses. Mm. And so anything that we make for upstairs is profit. So right now we're charging almost $1,500. It's a furnished unit. So that's $1,500 cash flow um, just by having those two units uh, active at one time. Wait, so... The Andre <laughs> showed she this she plugged y'all with this kind of information. 
Yeah, so Deandra was the, the seed. Yeah, yeah, Deandra was essentially the seed. Like she's where I really learned a lot more about house hacking because that's how she got started. She has mm-hmm. multiple units now, but like you know, I guess I think she started you know specifically with house hacking, and so she was I think living in part of her. I don't know exactly her story, but she had roommates. She had roommates. Yeah. Wow. So I th- I believe it was a townhouse that you know she rented out the rooms that cover her rent, so she was able to use that money that she normally would have paid for her mortgage for other things, whether it be savings, whatever, whatever she had going on. And so that's the same thing we did um, in terms of like, okay, I have this house, this $1,000 mortgage. I don't have to pay it because it's, it's, it's paid for. Right. So that thousand dollars that I normally would have spent, I can use toward paying down debt. I can use toward other investment. I can use toward vacations if I want. So um, that's kind of like the approach that we've taken so that this far and um, I'm excited like it works and it's and it's a system yeah. that we've built um, and of course we've had issues of course we've had hiccups like this is not perfect and I always tell people and I think Ronisha used this analogy previously is like it's not easy work but it is simple once you understand the context and the idea um, you can really conceptualize how it will work for you mm-hmm. wow and another thing that's interesting is that so you went into the duplex you lived upstairs you rented it uh, out downstairs and then eventually got to the point whereby you were then able to rent the upstairs to like travel nurses and stuff mm-hmm. and then the prop so now you're staying in this in a different location but that house is still cash flowing and then you're even able to take that money and like, are you going to do the same thing to the property that you're staying in right now? So um, currently we do rent temporarily. Uh, I'm sure everybody on social media have seen we're going to be moving to Atlanta soon. Uh-oh. We're actually Black in the process. <laughs> we're, we're in the process now of purchasing a home. So yes, that cash flow could very well be used for our mortgage. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that frees up a lot of money. So that's that's astonishing and i love the fact that it's like built brick by brick it's nothing super crazy you get to see it you get to see the people that you're servicing you know that on xyz date within the month that you're going to get paid it's Mm -hmm. like it's really close and it's like something you could touch something you can feel it's not like a shopify store that one day you know the attic could get closed it's not something super crazy and Right, you know, like this talking about like cash flowing, you know, could you talk to us about like the 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 vending game and kind of like you know how that started and mm-hmm. you know like I- I've seen a couple of people with vending like Brother Graham, there's mm-hmm. Khalifa, there's the vending yeah. university, there's yeah. there's like five six, there's uh she went on the um sleepers for suckers social uh proof yeah yeah yeah. 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 Yep, yeah. and, and she has like the elite global vending universe, mm-hmm. something like that. And I, so I've seen. Oh, and uh, I forgot her name. Um, uh, gorgeous black woman with her daughter, but she does the is it the vending machine chick or something like that? But there's this yeah. like five, six, seven, you know. Yeah. Talk like it, it to me, and it kind of seems like it's bubbling up more and more. There's a lot more people that are like, you know what? I got to get into business. Like, I don't want to work this nine to five. Uncle yeah. Sam, the boss talking about like, no days off. You know, like, you know, they they, they want to just like have more control. And I think COVID-19 kind of changed a lot of people's opinion about, oh, I, I better get my own. 
but could, yeah. could you talk to us like how did that start and kind of yeah. like your experiences with it? yeah do you mind if i introduce myself so because i think that leads into how this started <laughs> all right so so for me uh background is very similar to maya's i grew up cincinnati ohio born and raised um single mother pretty poor growing up i don't say the poorest because that wasn't i can't speak to that but i was without sometimes uh my mom um i'm the first college educated person in my family my mom didn't even graduate from high school so i graduated i i beat the odds by that uh undergrad and um, i graduated from grad school so my undergrad degree was actually in forensic chemistry so i was used to really studying and being very analytical about things because i was kind of conditioned to doing that as a young adult but i actually transitioned into higher education because transparently speaking um the spaces weren't the spaces in which i was in was not conducive to my cultural um enhancement and so i couldn't can you break break that down a little bit so in, in layman's terms, the spaces for me were too white to thrive, like to, mm. to socially thrive, to really feel like I could be myself. Wow. So I went a more liberal path in education because they tend to be more accepting of your identities. I'm black, I'm queer, things like that. So I realized, though, that even in those identities, going through the higher education route still wasn't accepting of me. Wow. So I was like, OK. So I'm working at this private institution. This is just last year. So I graduated from my, with my master's degree in 2019. I started working professionally in North Carolina at a private institution. I worked there for about a year and a half and I just quit that job October 31st of last year. I quit that job cold turkey, didn't expect mm. it, was like, I'm done. Wow. Um, and it was a couple of things that led up to this because I think this is important for people who are listening that sometimes you don't foreshadow what's going to happen. It just has to happen. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those things that happened for me was that one, I was getting paid thirty-eight or $39,000 a year. My student loan debt, I would have been upside down for the rest of my life. And I was like, this doesn't make sense financially. Like I will be in debt the rest of my life. Um, and somebody who kind of helped shift this perspective because when I was in my second year of grad school, I kept stressing out, how am I going to pay these loans back? This is not enough money. The culture of the field that I'm in was like, oh, $40,000, that's a good salary for a job. Mm. $40,000? I'm like, yo, right now my mom doesn't have a high school diploma is making more than me. It's more laborious work, but she's making more than I was. But she worked 20 years to get to that point. Right. So with that being said, right, you know, the saying is like, I'm one emergency away from whatever. That's what happened to me. My mom got sick or she, she had a, a major surgery that took her out of work. I'm working professionally. I'm bringing in $2,300 a month or so. I don't have to pay for rent, which is good. But I, I was in so much credit card debt from school, from grad school and just trying to survive that I had to pay that down and help her. And I was left with nothing. It was so bad you know, like that I had like a cracked tooth that I couldn't fix because I couldn't afford it. So when I'm sitting with this, I'm like, yeah, this is not it. Like I have a master's degree. Like right. this, this is what was enforced, uh, you know, reinforced as a kid. Like you go to college, you're going to be good financially. So I didn't got six and a half years worth of school and I'm struggling financially. I'm like, this is not it. So I'm sitting with like $10,000 of debt. I can't live. Like all my money is going to my mom, my, my debt and whatever else. So I'm like, okay, this now we in we in December 2019 now. I'm thinking, I'm driving back from Tampa the day after Christmas, and something just hit me. 
bro, you got to do something different. So that drive back, I had a 10 hour drive back to North Carolina. This is the podcast I listened to. Cause she talks about DeAndre McDonald, but there was also another podcast that really shifted us, and it's called the Black Real Estate Dialogue. Right. Mm. So I listened to that podcast. This is when Sam had just really started. He had started his podcast in October 2019. So it's only December. He ain't got that many episodes. So I'm listening to this the full 10 hours back. Mind you, so Lou, I have no idea what these people are talking about. I'm just trying to make sense of it because I've never really learned about it. Um, and so I'm like, okay, none of this is making sense. But the more I kept listening, the more things started to add up. So after that, I'm taking my chemistry background, right? I start going analytical. I start going ham. I start studying it like all day, every day. I'm watching YouTube videos about wholesaling real estate. I'm doing all of this and all of that. Prior to that, that drive though, I seen a tweet and I'm pretty sure it was from Brother Graham. I seen a tweet with two vending machines that was like, have you ever thought, thought about making the vending machine business a, a, like an actual business? And I said, damn, I never thought about that. Like, and this is something I say now, I'm like, we always think about vending as something we consume, but nothing that we operate and make money from consumption. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, saw the tweet, ignored it. Cause I'm like, I wasn't there mentally. But it came back to me when I'm looking at how difficult it was to get into vent. I mean, to get into real estate. So now we in January 2020. Our businesses are only a year old. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. But January 2020, we're like, okay, we got to figure out something. Now we met October 2019, so still fairly new. But we were both on the same path with financially not being happy and and both having master's degrees and saying we need to figure this out. So just to speed this up, January 2020, we start trying to learn how to wholesale real estate because we knew you didn't need money to get money. But that shit was complicated. I'm like, it's too many moving parts. I couldn't understand it. I I could not understand it at first, but now I do. It's it's very much, people make it more complicated than they need to. Mm -hmm. But reality is when we would just start thinking about what capital we had because at the time we didn't understand what we know about credit we had credit but we didn't know how to leverage it we didn't have nearly as much as we have right now we have fifty and sixty thousand dollars more than what we started off when we first learned about credit so january february is here we're like okay let's start a vending machine business let's start a real estate business uh so we started compass and we started vend her Ben Hur came out of nowhere. I was just sitting in the shower and I was like, Ben Hur. Like, it was like, that was the name. And the, the reason why we put Ben Hur because it was a play on, instead of a vendor, mm. women, Ben Hur. Yep. So we put the emphasis on us being black women running this company. And it took it took by storm. Like, people loved it. Wow. And the crazy thing is, I, would, I, I asked a bunch of people beforehand, I was like, what you think about Ben Hur? Ben Hur? I don't really like that. Oh, no. So yeah. What those people said, I wouldn't be sitting at 13,000 followers right now. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be sitting at this digital content that people recognize Venter now. Mm-hmm. And I get affirmed by the people who are out here killing it, who's in the marketing space, like, Venter, that's hard. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, at first, when we started the vending machine business, we didn't expect it to be like what it is right now. It was just right. another it stream of income that we knew we could digitize and create digital products to teach other black people how to do it too. Mm. But then it started catching on. I was like, we were getting real estate and all of these other things. And I was like, yo, we can't just restrict it to vending. I was like, we have to let the people know everything that we're doing so they know that we just got into this space and it's possible for you too. Because it was just like, once you learn it, it takes it, you you on an upward path after that. Right. So 
for really for us, the vending machine business was an easy business to get started because not because it's easy, but because it was simple to grasp. We learned everything that we know right now from the transferable skills that we picked up from learning the vending machine business, how to start an LLC, how to get an EIN, how, who to go to for business checking accounts that are free. Like all of these different resources that we plug into any business that we can start, like that started there. So now our perspective of teaching our people is simply that, let this be your your low barrier of entry business yep. so you can understand those foundational elements to go out and start something else. So that's really what our perspective is. And instead of being like bend her like a vendor, we're really like a vendor of knowledge now. Mm-hmm. So people understand that how how to go about this. But like like I said, I, I went him, but that's really where I'm sitting at with this. I think it's a very simple business con- to conceptualize, and more people need to do it because it's not all the way passive, but it's mostly passive. And if you made three hundred dollars for an hour or two hours of work per month, how are you losing? Exactly, exactly. And I think. You know, because one thing about business is that the more you do business, the more you there's certain things that come to people like the nuance intricacies, the the like how to handle certain situations that right. come up, you know, because somebody that started business year one is different from somebody that's in business year five or year seven. Absolutely. Um the vending game. Because you said you were driving back and you were listening to the, you know, Sam's podcast, you know, the the real estate dialogue. Mm -hmm. What like what was the entry into vending? Was it uh, Instagram page? Like, could you because this YouTube videos of people kind of showing their vending journey, they'd be like, hey, guys, like, yo, follow me, you know, and they kind of like show you. But could you like. Who was that like source of information that you tapped into to be like, okay, step one, I'm going to do this. Step two, I'm going to do that. Step three, I'm going to do this. Like, who, who was it for you? Hmm. That's a good question because I have to think more on that. But I will say definitely, I'm pretty sure it was Brother Graham. I can't confirm that because all I, re- I didn't, his name wasn't recognizable to me at the time. Yeah. He's like, step so- your game up, Graham. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 not that. I, I, but more so, like, I'm pretty sure it was him because he has a bigger influence on Twitter than he does Instagram. Mm. Like, that's his bread and butter, Twitter. That's like wow. where he does numbers. But um, it definitely was bending this. Specifically, not, I can't say like, everything but i will say like we kind of pulled pieces together from every single thing that we were was learning at the time to make sense of it his page helped me out specifically with things like he would show examples of his contract people weren't really paying attention to what he was sharing so i don't think he shared as much information as he used to because he had a lot less followers back then this was a year ago Mm. but i one day i came across this stuff i don't know how but it was on in my Instagram feed, so I clearly was looking up something vending. And I just start seeing examples of the contract, start seeing the terms, I start seeing the vending portfolio. So it started to make sense. And so then I went to, you know, my my um, this is where I got my PhD at YouTube University. And this is where I really started to learn a little bit more about, you know, collectively how it made sense. So he didn't share like the foundational pieces of starting a business but um at least like from what we saw for free i want to be clear i'm not sure about the digital products but he shared some different things that 
um, I felt like were super helpful. Just these little small tidbits that collectively made all of the information we were searching make sense. So once I dived into his information, I was I just became a, a vulture. I just started looking up everything, hashtags, bending, like all focusing on those hashtags so you can go see who's doing it and start picking up those pieces as i was going so instagram taught me pretty much everything i know man and that's that's instagram like and that's such an amazing way to look at instagram because there's the entertainment side of instagram there's the controversy there's the corvette corvette and silhouette challenge and you know <laughs> the watermelon challenge and all kinds of crazy stuff but then there's that other side of people that are monetizing that are eating i'm talking about yeah cop themselves a Tesla, you know, copying mm-hmm. themselves properties, copying themselves all kinds of things. And it's just from them monetizing that attention and building King Ashley Lynn, you know, like a lot yeah. of these entrepreneurs or people sometimes just looking at it and being like, yo, like I got an idea. I got, I think I could do this. And one thing that's real interesting to see is that the entrepreneurs are becoming the new rock stars. They're becoming the new rappers. They're becoming yeah. the new, love it. Yeah, yeah, yep, and, and and it's crazy to see because if you fa- uh, rewind like five years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago, it wasn't cool to be smart. No, yeah, and especially in the black community. And I was talking to Rob about this yesterday, and it's still in the air. Where my, yeah. when you, you like, man, what you doing reading that book, man? Come on, man, like right. you know, it's like it was, it, and even like business and stuff like that like oh you a business owner you know like oh you think you're doing your little business oh yeah. that's what you're doing and now but we're seeing this shift whereby there's a uh, respect there's like this glamour to being a business owner in certain circles yeah. and you're seeing the conferences and the retreats and you know the, the organizations and it's like oh entrepreneurs we're gonna pick them up on the pedestal because they can show us the way out of having to work a dead end nine to five and people are so i think there's this culture of transparency now so we're seeing stories of people like being brutalized in the nine to five and you know bosses you know staff toxic environments and you know not being able to breathe and what's interesting is to see some people when they make that leap now people try to make entrepreneurship seem like it's candy land and you know he's gonna hop on hop skip the two and you get the tesla and it's like (laughs) (laughs) man yeah come on man can't tell you how many times I hear that people are like, I, I can't wait till I quit my job. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you, can you can wait, actually. And you, yeah. you can make a plan because a lot of people don't plan, you know, and if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Simple as that. But Simple I agree. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's a struggle. You know, entrepreneurship, you're going to get swung on and you got to swing back. And you got to duck. You got to defense. And you, you know, the best entrepreneurs, you know, they like Floyd Mayweather. They see the punch oh, yeah. coming from, you know, 10 days before. So absolutely, it, it, it's interesting to see where the mindset has shifted of the entire community and those that are at the forefront, you know, helping to shift. So that's why, yeah. you know, I'm definitely excited to talk to you, Rari and Maya today. Um, how was the first, the because you hear about location is everything in vending and you got to go to talk to the you know the business owner can, can you talk about that experience like where did you buy the machine like you know did yeah. you get the truck did you have to push it in yourself did you you know like 
the commission rate like how do you present yourself to the business owner like the locations you looked at to decide okay this one has you know x amount of people coming in and out like can you talk to us about that so, so tell Lou wants our 30 minute consultation <laughs> i'm joking yeah, definitely. <laughs> Go ahead. Good, no, I good think, stuff. yeah i think of the best place to start for people who are looking to start a vending machine business obviously legitimizing yourself getting your llc making sure that you're set up in order to protect your personal assets because you know don't put yourself in a situation if you don't have to um but even beyond that and when you actually get started in the business like you have to consider your location. So where we started was we identified multiple different types of businesses that we thought might need a vending machine, right? So you got your manufacturer companies, you got your hotels and your motels, you got, I mean, what else? Convenience, not a convenience store, but like auto shops. hair salon, auto shops, yeah. right. So we started calling those places. We started, you know, cold calling. Um, and that's something that we had learned from wholesaling. Because remember, Rari said that, you know, we we started off trying to figure out the wholesaling deal. And so the cold calling looks very similar when it comes to that. Yep. So we're cold calling places. At this time, we still both have nine to five. I'm taking an hour lunch break to call. Varnisha's doing the same thing. Like, you know, the the research outside of the hours, the going up to, I'm sneaking out of my office to go, you know, check on places. <laughs> it was just crazy. crazy. Um, but essentially our, our location we ended up locking in was at a motel. Wow. So it was at the time. Two locations. Yeah, two locations. At the time, Rari lived in Winston-Salem and I lived in Durham. So we had the vending machine location in Durham. So I went up there. This was like right before, it was like maybe the, vi- the very no, start it was of COVID. In COVID. Yeah, because I remember I was able to go in the lobby. Like since then, they've shut the lobby down at the hotel or the wow. motel. But I was able to go in the lobby. I talked to the the owner of the space or whatever. You know, we had our portfolio ready. We showed them the services that we offer. Kind of talked through those things, and so that's how we got started. Signed a contract, um, and we don't we don't usually verbalize it as a contract, but more so an agreement between the two parties. This is to protect us and to protect you. Kind of walking them through, you know, each of the terms of that, and then you know now the hunt is on for the myth for the machine you know we we identified oh, wow. so you guys got the contract signed and agreed yeah. upon before you had the machine yeah that's and the reason yeah yeah that's and faith right there for, that's <laughs> yeah the reason for that is because like let's say this motel they already for okay so this is the actual situation they already had a pepsi machine there drink with them and that was owned by the owner so they, they have don't a snack machine there too, though. Remember? Oh, I forgot yeah, so, yeah, so I can talk about that too. I can talk about that. So, back. Let me back up. When I was having the conversation with the owner, it was very important that I identify pain points. Right? It's COVID. The very beginning slash the middle, like the brunt of COVID. You know, they're having occupancy issues because people aren't traveling, having occupancy, just whatever. And um, so from there, I'm trying to identify pain points. That's something else that we learned in wholesaling. And so with that, I found out that after, you know, taking a look around myself, I'm like, all right, y'all already have a Pepsi machine and there's a snack machine there, but the snack machine looks empty. It was like maybe a few snacks in there and it was in the summertime or when it was starting to get hot. So I noticed that the snacks were like faded. Like the sun had been beaming on the machine and it hadn't been, you know, replenished in so long that it was faded. So I asked the owner about it. I was like, hey, you know, I noticed this. And he's like, 
yeah, the, you know, we had a vending machine there. I haven't heard from, I can't get in contact with them. So that tells me- Bingo. That's right. That tells me that, okay, he, this person is stressed because of COVID, not reaching numbers of occupancy. They don't need me to come in and be another problem. In actuality, they need me to come in and solve something. So the problem that I was able to solve, we were able to solve was, okay, let's provide top-notch customer service. Let's let you know that we're available and accessible if there's an issue. Um, and let's make sure that we're showing our face because that's not what you're receiving right now with, with the snack machine that's all halfway in. Mm. So, you know, we had that conversation. We were talking to him about what we could provide. And that's why I said, wait, you know, to get your location first. Because if I would have just went out here and bought a vending machine, a drink machine, they didn't need that. You know, they already have that. So I don't, now I have a machine that I can't use for this specific location. So once I was able to identify they need snacks. They can also use some drinks because they didn't have any water, Gatorade. Everything was like canned Pepsi products. Mm. We were able to get a, a combo machine that has both snacks and drinks. And we didn't put any Pepsi products in there. That was a part of our agreement because we're not trying to be in competition with you. We want the guests at the hotel or the motel to have the Pepsi products as well as waters, you know, the Starbucks drinks, all of that. Um, stuff. And yeah. so that's where we squeeze ourselves into yeah. this opportunity in being a problem solver. And I think that that's like the biggest thing. Um, and then also just understanding the priorities of the owner or, you know, the person who the, the actual location. And this is what's kind of exciting about business and exciting about life, you know, being able to talk to another human being and, you know, diagnose, you know, where they're stressing out and mm -hmm. areas where you can, you know, provide your energy and services and, and creative solutions. And it's also interesting, like he already had a Pepsi machine, right? But mm -hmm. it almost seemed like, you know, he's more focused in other areas of his business and right. Uh, contractor or the person he had the agreement with with the stack machine that person maybe who knows what happened you know and you so the combo machine replaced that snack machine yeah yep okay and then he still had his own pepsi machine mm -hmm. going and he had that to it and yep. he had that regularly but it almost seemed like he wasn't really interested in it too it's like he was like all right yeah whatever did he himself like restock the Pepsi machine or he had like a, a So so we don't I don't know yeah. if he I don't know who restocked it. I never really saw it get restocked, but it did stay yeah. stocked. Yeah. And uh, we know that he owned it. So I don't know if he yeah. did it himself. Probably not. He probably had somebody else that worked at the hotel do it. But um but yeah, we knew that he owned that one and that this other snack machine that was existing was not was not well taken care of. So when we moved our combo machine in, I don't know who moved that snack machine, but it was gone after a couple weeks. Um oh, wow. Was, no, it was there for a minute actually. It was there for a minute. It, it was weird because it was our two or the two machines there and then the snack machine that had that just been left just, for dead was yeah. just sitting there for a minute. Yeah, it was still marketing because that machine looking like uh, and then yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yo, we got the snack. Oh, ours was the best one there. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nice machine. It was wrapped. It had a credit card reader on it. His machine was an older Pepsi machine. It's called a Dixie Narco. It only served canned drinks. And so Cash. we had bottles and cans. So a lot of times too, like 
their his machine wouldn't work, we would be restocking. They're like, why isn't this machine working? We're like, we don't know, but do you want one of these products? <laughs> <laughs> not trying to be shady, but we were like, that's not our machine. We just focused on this machine. Right. We're like, these drinks are cold if you would like one of these. And so that's kind of how we built rapport with the customers too. They knew that they could rely more on us. Right. Mm. And think when it comes to vending too as well, what I'm interested, like before I didn't know anything about business, but now, you know, uh, me and my bit, like every Monday we have to look at uh, Excel sheets with like numbers and metrics and KPIs to judge the overall health of the business and, yeah. you know, see is this thing progressing forward? You know, is it, does it make sense? Is there any areas within the business that needs to be um, looked at, that needs to be modified, tweaked, upgraded, optimized? How do you, do you guys use Excel sheets to, you know, keep track of inventory? There's probably vending apps out there that yeah. you could use to um, easily keep account of everything. And another thing is, um, I know there's like people talk about commissions. Stuff like, don't offer nothing. Like, <laughs> put it in there. Like, you know, this, yo, it's gonna help you. Cut some people is like ten percent, five percent. Some people like nothing less than twenty. So, what kind of arrangement had to uh, be made with the owner? Yeah. So to answer the first part of your question about the inventory piece, the way I teach my mentees is I let them know that you got two different options. Well, three, really. You could do a more manual way of keeping track, which is through an Excel sheet. I give them a template for that. It's very simple. It's whatever the product is, the quantity, how many you had before you came in, how many expired so they can kind of measure it like that. They also have a technology or an app called Bensoft. Come on, now. come on now with the software now come on yeah it's called Vinsoft and that's the um, that I actually highly recommend them while we haven't used them yet it just seems very dope the way they have it laid out they um they actually bring like they pull reports out for you so you can kind of manage your business so you talked about like those KPIs and things of that nature they're doing it for you they'll show you without you manually doing it how your business is performing they'll give you a profit and loss statement they'll give you um your inventory so you're putting it in manually but they're automating that and creating the reports for you so i think it's super important to look into them specifically because at any point in time somebody might say they don't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. so you have like the actual documentation and reports that you can pull up to go and give that off to whoever's trying to buy it and the last thing about that particular um, software is that they create routes for you so you can actually put your vending machines like you can place your locations on the map and they'll time they'll time out the differences between each like each location to tell you the best route for stocking up your 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 products if that makes sense based on the inventory um so Ben saw, um, I don't, again, I can't speak too much about them, but from what I'm seeing, it looks like a very good um, platform to use. The last piece is your credit card reader. So your credit card readers, a good amount of them, depending on which one you get, like, uh, I don't know if it's Nyx or Nyx, it's the yellow credit card readers. Those actually uh, monitor your sales, both credit and cash sales. So you know exactly what you're making, which is really good, again, for that, you know, you create a business in a box and just sell it. Mm. Um, but they also the track inventory depending. Yeah, business in the box. Um, so um, the inventory can be tracked depending on the types of readers you have as well. Uh, so that's the first part of your question. As far as the second part of your question, you asked about the commission. So with commission, um, again, with with our mentees, I always tell them like, you really have to assess your location. 
if you're anywhere like something that you probably got simply because you had to go through the government like government contracting those are going to be high level uh locations and you are probably not getting away without paying commission there so i can't just say a universal like no no commission like that's not really possible depending on what scale you're at on the lower level i, I like to say always try to figure out what you can negotiate outside of that if it does get to that i say no more than 15 percent, depending on what type of location you're at and i say start low and i always tell my mentees i say explain to them business owner to business owner manager to you tell them okay realistically speaking let's see how this let's see how the first 30 days go let's see how this uh, machine performs and after that we can kind of show you what we made now, realistically speaking, 15% of $300, uh, I, I, let's do the math real quick, but it's not going to be much, right? It's like $45. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. 45, correct. Boom. So $45. And when you think about you running an entire business, right? You got an entire motel. What is this $45 <laughs> actually going to do for you? So I don't say it like that, but I say it like that. I said, let's speak things. Let's, let's consider the numbers here. I say, if you want, you know, five, 10 or whatever, whatever percentage we agreed to, we're looking at probably an average between 200 to $500. This is what you will be making. I want you to consider that when asking for um, profit. And I also encourage my mentees to take it from net profit instead of gross, because if you are taking it from gross, that's what you made overall, but you didn't account for having to restock the machine. You didn't account for insurance or whatever else or paying for your credit card reader things of that nature. So you want to take it from that because they're going to get a larger amount of commission if you don't take it from that. So that's kind of how we go about that. And the last thing is like, what alternatives can you provide? So I say, you know, sometimes instead of pitching commission, I say, well, uh, how about some, some things for your employees or your guests? How about we give you all a couple of products just on us? You know what I'm saying? Like right. when we come and restock the machine, we'll let you let each employee get, you know, one drink or one snack. That that $20 you might have spent, $10 you might have spent giving them that, because remember, we're buying our items in bulk, so it's way less than what it really actually is, right. consumer, when a consumer buys it. But that's less than paying them more. Mm. Well, you can do a flat rate. You can just tell them, regardless, this is what we're going to pay. So if I say, like, a commission, it, it means that $50 commission, flat. No matter if we had a $1,000 month or a $50 month. You feel what I'm saying? Like, that's the flat rate. So, it's a lot of different um, options and opportunities out there. I think people got to really pick up the skill to converse and um, figure out how you can provide alternative exit strategies or solutions. Yeah, because I always think, okay, if somebody owns a business and then I'm saying, okay, I'm going to put a vending machine in it. That person might almost feel like, man, like you're on my turf. Like this is my business. And you know, I paid all this money and I, I pay rent and I got it. This is yeah. my operation. Who do you think you is coming in? You know, like yeah. they just have some kind of thoughts. Like, so yeah. how do you, how do you kind of talk to them or break down their objections or convey value in a way whereby they're like, you know what? Okay, L let's do it because I yeah. feel like if you're talking to them, they're, they're almost eyeing you as, I don't say that you guys are, but almost as like parasites trying to like, yeah. you know, yeah. draw money out of what they're doing. Yeah, right. absolutely. And it really boils down to the fact that you are providing a service that helps make their business run smoother. 
when people are when people have the option to get a drink and a snack and you don't have to worry about that happening we're talking about people this is a, a most of the businesses we're looking at are service-based and they're open 24 hours people are going to get thirsty or hungry within that time and you are more convenient than that motel down the street that does not have a vending machine than that motel down the street that does not have whatever so when you put it into the perspective of like at the end of the day they're not losing anything we are if we put a vending machine there and it does not do well we are the one losing it so i always tell them listen this machine is about three thousand dollars i'm going high i don't care if i bought it for 900 this machine is about three thousand dollars and so when i when i'm speaking to business owners or managers i'm always coming in from that perspective of ownership right think about this so you know if you all were in our shoes this machine is about three thousand dollars if this location only brings us in three hundred dollars it's going to take us what how much how, you, never mind we're not gonna do the math again but about what 10 months 10 months right 10 months to just get your roi i mean sorry roi i've been saying the roi analogy a lot your roi so i'm telling them just to break even is going to take over 10 months to do so so we're, we're at a loss starting this business but we want to provide the most optimal service to you all and by providing these different options for you your customers your clients this allows you to have smoother business. You have some conveniency within your business. And I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. And the, the last thing is that we're not going too deep into trying to convince you why the vending machine business or why the vending machine is needed for your space. You in the auto shop, people sitting there for hours. It makes sense to have a drink machine there or a snack machine there. There's not too much convincing that needs to happen. People are thirsty and hungry. So let's provide this service. So, I mean, it's as simple as that. You in a warehouse, people work in three shifts. Some people forgot their food. Some people don't have people to cook for them, whatever it might be. They only eat in vending machine food. Every single day they go to work. So, and, and I used to work at a warehouse. So I used to know that I used to go get that. If I forgot something, let me go grab a little snack. So the convenience kind of sells itself. And if you got to do too much to do it, it's probably not, it's not the one for you. Just move on. And thing too as well, because I guess it depends on how business savvy or how much time they have on their hands. Right. They're going, it also depends on like how much traffic they have coming in and out. Because somebody might be like, oh, that's a good idea. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna be like, no, nah, I can't. Yeah, I'm gonna go set up my own play real quick. Right, right, right. How did like because it's like, man, if they have a lot of foot traffic coming in and out, that's very valuable to a yeah. uh, vending machine owner because it's I don't know what they call it, like foot count or head count or people count like that. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, the foot traffic. So foot traffic. Okay, oh, thank you. <laughs> So if there's a lot of foot traffic coming in and that owner, you talk to that owner and they're like, I can see it. They start seeing the green. <laughs> right, right. And you're like, you know what? You're already busy. You got other things to worry about. Let us handle this for you. And you can add value in terms of them being able to service, you know, their uh, people, their clients, their consumers. And, you know, you give them a little bit of a cut, you know, the kind of like, and I like the fact that you were saying, like, try and think of alternative ways, like, you know, when, when it's open, everybody can get themselves a snack or something like that. Um, yeah. Something of that nature, because I can see it. It's like, it's almost like a numbers game and it's like real, like, you don't know if somebody's a hard head or, you know, somebody is like completely clueless because it's almost like 
why would I just allow you to put that machine in my business when I can just go sit down and figure it out? But then it's like, if you could, why haven't you already? Do you have the time? Do you want to worry about? And could you talk about like how much can be made from it per month or like the location? How many locations do you have? So we actually, we just told you we're in the process of moving. So we had to scale down our entire portfolio because when we're buying a house, we can't bring those machines with us. Mm. But yeah, that's where we're at right now. But we, we're kind of, so with the business, you know with businesses, like sometimes you start businesses and you do your time and you're like, okay, <laughs> we did our time. We're in this weird place right now where we're not sure if we're going to continue it in Atlanta or not because um, there's other opportunities that make a lot more money, less time time consuming, less hands on Mm -hmm. and uh, scaling could just it's just it's just more more enjoyable, just realistically speaking, Um, because people think of the vending machine business and like, yes, it's mostly passive, but like. I want to do businesses that I feel fulfilled once I'm done with it. Right. Um, and this business is quite transactional. So the mm-hmm. fulfillment mostly was coming from teaching other black people how to start theirs rather than the actual transaction of completing the business. Right. So and that's, that's, that's a powerful way. And to the people that succeed in life with business and get the furthest ahead, they want to, they want to do a business or be in a business whereby when they're done with it or whatever, they're energized, they are yeah. positive, they are positively impacting people. You know, yeah. it like pits that karma back into them to give them that go-getter energy to, to keep moving forward because there's a lot of people who, mm-hmm. you know, will jump into these courses or anything because they think it's a way to make a quick buck, but they yeah. realize it doesn't fulfill them like as mm-hmm. a human yeah. being. And then they'll, they'll like, you know, that, that ain't for me. Like, I yeah. tried that. Um, and Atlanta is crazy because you know people going to Atlanta they're like oh, ho, 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 yeah. ho, ho, ho. <laughs> you know there's there's it, it, just just about anything and everything but um talking about Atlanta and talking about you know I guess kind of moving into credit you know yeah. and you know let me know if this maybe is a time to talk more about real estate or yeah. more to credit but you know um how, how your understanding of credit because i feel like especially in our community credit is probably one of the least understood aspects of finances absolutely could you you talk to us about credit and kind of like what it means and what we should be like what is this whole thing about credit you want i've been talking a lot so go ahead yeah i definitely so um literally i think that there's a big difference between just understanding credit applying credit and leveraging credit you know like i personally have always you know had a good credit score but i also was always told as you know growing up just get a credit card use it for gas and pay it right off that's right you know that and that was it (laughs) that was it that was all i was told and so you know when we think about that you know yes that that method kept my credit score good but that I wasn't I wasn't using it to its full capacity. Um, and I think that that's where leveraging credit comes in and applying credit comes in. So, you know, definitely for our renovations that we did at the duplex, as well as for our Airbnb credit. Now I did tell you that, you know, when we obtained the actual house, 
you know, that was money that I had saved, right? For a down payment and for closing costs. But that was before I learned that application and that leveraging piece. So um, when you think about, you know, the credit, it's like, okay, where are the opportunities? Where, where do the opportunities lie in order for me to get to where I want to go faster? And, you know, I have a couple of friends and just people who I know who are great savers, right? And that's great. You should always have reserves. Like, you always got to have something to fall back on. But credit could also be that for you. Come on. So, you know, for me, and, and this is the way that I try to conceptualize it. The the renovations that we put in for t- into the upstairs unit of our duplex, we spent maybe like, what, five or six thousand? Yeah. Five or six thousand dollars. Now, I could have saved comfortably five or six thousand dollars in about five months, right? If I would have saved a thousand dollars a month, you know, could have made a shake, use taxes or whatever. But that would have taken five or six months, right? So credit allowed me to be able to complete the renovations and find a tenant in one month. So, I mean, this, that's, that's this, just the difference. Y'all some superheroes <laughs> over here, y'all. Y'all just <laughs> appear to look this way, but y'all some real superheroes. And it's, it's interesting to see because we have literally talked about vending machine, real estate, and now we're talking about credit. And it just feels like there's so much more ahead for you guys too, in terms of like leveling up in business. And oh yeah, Maya, I just need you to break that down again a little bit because I may have gotten too excited. And um, <laughs> with, with the credit, basically you're saying that, no, you said that, yeah, because everybody's just like, yo, just get the little gas, pay it back. Like that's like, nobody knows how like it, oh you can use credit for like all these different other opportunities or like why you need to do this and i think the most common theme is like yo if you don't have a good credit score you're not going to be able to get nothing down the line but like why mm-hmm. is it that not have it's like there's so much mystery surrounding it and it's like very foggy yeah. you know yeah. it's like like what is all this so right yeah could could you kind of just like touch more on like what you just said you said so basically mm-hmm. using credit you are able to leverage um the construction or like you mm-hmm. know like building up could break that down for us more yes absolutely so i think when you first and and let me be clear for these specific renovations on the duplex i did use personal credit you have to understand the difference between personal and business credit we're now, you know, Ben has definitely built business credit. I'm in the process of building business credit for Compass. Um, but but I'll I'll touch on the personal credit piece because I think that that's that's for a lot of people a starting point. That's the gateway. It's the gateway. And so, like I said before, I had a few credit cards. I think I had maybe like maybe like ten thousand dollars total in credit limits. Like like all my cards total was about ten thousand dollars. I thought I was doing something, you know. <laughs> When Southwest Airlines gave me 8500 I said, look, Woo! I'm living. But you know, that was that was nothing compared to where we are now. And so when we first started with the renovations and, and understanding utilization, understanding inquiries and all of that, um, we were able to be strategic with which credit cards we, we use, um, when we applied for them and when we paid them off, right? So, um, you know, when we were, when we applied for them, you know, we, we, we did some research on, okay, for these, these specific credit cards that we're looking for, how much, um, which bureaus did they report to? Mm -hmm. If I already have, we know that the three bureaus are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. If I have 
two inquiries on my credit report for TransUnion, one on Experian and three on Equifax, then I should probably go to Experian, find some credit cards and report to those to Experian because that's where, you know, I can, I can level it out. And so we, I guess we first started by going to nerdwallet.com. It's a great resource um, in terms of where to start. Great resource. You can literally type in or like, you know, look at card, specific cards based on what you're looking for. So if you want a travel card, it's going to show you these are the travel cards within your, you know, credit score limit or your credit score uh, range. If you want cashback, these are what you, these are what you should look for. And so um, that's kind of what we look for. Something specifically that I looked for with the construction piece was the, the credit cards that had the intro zero AP, APR for 12 months, right? Because that gives me a, the ability to put five or $6,000 for the construction onto one or two credit cards and not have to, you know, and only be able to pay the minimum payment without interest for 12 months. That gives yeah. me 12 months interest free. So that way I was still able to borrow that money, but you know, not have to be penalized for it. Yep. So that was really how we how we leveraged that and we just kept repeating that cycle. So yep. now I believe I have like maybe seventy thousand dollars in personal credit. Ooh. And and at this point it's like, okay, I'm good. Let's move to business credit, you know, because yeah. like Rari said, stop. <laughs> like Rari hey, said, uh, I can't remember I've been <laughs> Nah, but yeah, that was the gateway, right? And so it's just extremely important to learn that piece first. But I mean, you know, especially when it comes to Airbnb arbitrage, we haven't really talked about that, but rental arbitrage, you know, when you think about, you know, signing a lease, paying the first month's rent, paying the security deposit, getting your stuff furnished, we were able to get started with our rental, our Airbnb arbitrage unit with $3,000. We spent about $1,300 on um, furnishings, which in our, you know, coaching program, Compass Compass Coaching Program, we talk about how to furnish your unit for cheap, but still in good quality, right? Mm -hmm. What to purchase, what to spend more money on than others, because people will tear your stuff up. So you don't want to, you know, have a whole bunch of expensive items that have to be replaced and are very expensive to replace. Mm -hmm. That's another conversation. But um, but yeah, credit has definitely allowed us to do the, those things faster. Like I said, by having, you know, applying for those cards right at the start of that construction, getting the cards so that way I'm not wasting my 0% APR because I only got 12 months, right? So I'm getting it the same month that I need it using it and then having 11 months to pay it off so wow. wait 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 but give, give, them, give us some sauce on how you can continue because we got to give some gems on Tobin's podcast oh, okay yeah. oh let's go let's do it you got to give them some gems Maya on how you can avoid paying interest like continually you talking about uh what's BT okay cool yeah so something else that Nerd Wallet will show you so Nerd Wallet is going to let's say We'll take uh, Chase Sapphire. I have I got a sixteen thousand dollar credit credit limit on Chase Sapphire. Wow! It was, oh, six, it was sixteen thousand five hundred. Okay, okay. <laughs> sixteen thousand five hundred dollars on Chase Sapphire. So that means I can spend because you know you don't want your utilization percentage to pass a certain amount before it starts impacting your credit score. We knew okay, in about six months we're gonna start have to buy in a house. I have the W twos. 
So we're using my credit essentially. Sorry. As an entrepreneur, I can't get a house until I have two years of tax right. returns. So that's right. why I have to be earning. Right. We're obviously both contributing equally, but we. <laughs> Both you, on can, the, you can set up the play yeah. right now, Maya. You can set yeah. that all, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so essentially, sorry. <laughs> essentially, okay. we knew what we we knew the goals that we have in the future, right? Buy a house. So my utilization can't be crazy because that's the goal, right? Mm. So we were able to, you know, use specific cards with specific amounts of, or limits in order to spend that five or six thousand dollars that we needed for the renovations and things like that. I think so, I was in the middle of a thought. Yeah, and we were I, supposed uh, to talk about the balance transfer. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Right, so I told y'all about the 0% APR. So we're looking for cards specifically with 0% APR, and I don't like paying annual fees. So I started applying for cards that had $0 annual fee. I'm not paying. So, <laughs> um, and that's just me. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the annual you fee, said, but- like, if a card has an annual fee, you're not interested. That's a personal preference. I do have some cards that have annual fees, but those add up. So that's why I was like, all right, from here on out, I'm not doing that. Um, but another way of avoiding interest is what's called a balance transfer. And a lot of these cards will have introductory offers with balance transfers included. So they might say, typically, let me back up. Balance transfer is like, if I have Chase Sapphire, right? Let's say I spent the 5000 on Chase Sapphire um, and they give me, you know, 12 months or, you know, six months interest free, right? Yep. Let's say I have another card that doesn't have, I haven't spent anything on it. I can transfer that balance from my Chase Sapphire to my other card. Once that six months comes up on the, tra- on the, uh, the Chase Sapphire, that's going to make me have to start paying interest again. So in order for me to not have to pay interest again, I move those funds from that card to another one that might also have a 0% APR. So I'm going to use my little six months a year on that other card and then switch it to another card. So then at that point, you're not paying, you're not paying interest for as long as you can have cards that have the 0% APR. Wait, Does that no. make sense? yeah, that, that's slick. <laughs> that's super, that's super slick. So basically, Y'all saying, okay, Chase Sapphire, like you, you spent $5,000 on that card and it's like the fifth month It's about to hit the sixth month. So right. if you got another card that has maybe like six months or 12 months interest free, you can take, you can, so you can use that card to pay off this card. Exactly. Which yeah. And you continuously do that. So you never have to pay interest. Right. You'll pay purely principal on the credit. And, and you're building up the credit that way too as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the thing is you're not paying it. There are your tenants or who whatever yeah. business is paying the back. Yeah. Man. So once once we updated the upstairs unit for the travel nurses, we used that fourteen fifty a month to pay that amount off. So it's paid off now. But literally every month that's coming in, I'm like, Yeah, I can't put this in my pocket, but really I am because I'm not have to I'm not having to use my personal funds to pay off the debt that was used for the construction. So my current travel nurse, who just extended another eight weeks with us, mm-hmm. she's paying off the renovations that were done in her unit. Yeah. <laughs> y- y'all, y'all mean with it over there. Y'all, y'all, this is what mastermind your life is all about. Y'all over here, y'all over here, like, okay, so what's the what's the play for today? Like, how yeah. we gonna, like, <laughs> how we gonna set it up today? Yeah. The, and 
I would have never like to be. I don't think I know people that think like that's advanced thinking to be able to look at everything and because it's easy if you miss a month or like you forget that something is something like you gotta how do you keep all of that in check it's a lot yeah it is <laughs> like when it comes to utility I'm, I'm doing like six or seven different utility bills a month it's a lot to keep up with but there are ways to automate it and I think that the best way to go about it is to just create you a good CRM that has everything outlined. Understand how you understand things. Like an Excel sheet might work for you, but it might be confusing to me. So how are you keeping track of all of those things? Um, but I think that a great, a great way of doing that is separating everything into your business versus your personal. Cause like when I think about it, like our, my house, the duplex, technically it's, it's, in, it's in my name. So we are in the process of figuring out how to get it transferred into an LLC. Mm. But, um, you know, when those funds are coming to, you know, a personal account, it can get a little foggy. Like, wait a minute, what's this money supposed to go here? This so um, I would definitely say do what works for you in terms of a CRM or hire an accountant. Hire somebody like a financial, a financial advisor um, who can help you keep track of those things. Like my financial advisor, I, you know, I don't even really pay them. Like they're just there. I mean, I have like insurance policies through them so they can get paid through that. But um, those people are resources. So definitely tap into your resources um, and, and, and take advantage of them. Can I add on to that? Because once you get so many credit cards, I got yeah. like 15 credit cards. Yeah. Sure. So you can actually change your due dates. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm about to do this because there's some different strategies for changing your due dates because you can hide your utilization. Yeah. But um, in the process, just without confusing people, to hide your utilization, you offset your due date so you can liquidate one card, pay off the other one, and then you liquidate that card, pay off the one that you just liquidated, and you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So the creditors, they never know that you use that money because it looks like your balance is always paid in full. Um, but <laughs> but if you put these that's you, that forensic chemistry right there that's that that's that balance this and hold yeah. that, and that, and that they won't see you that. gotta balance the equations right okay. yeah so that's what i learned in chem 101 but when it comes to um and and this is not something that we i can't act like i can't take full responsibility for this we paid into different um mentors and people have educated us on this and done a lot of research but um when it comes to those due dates you can actually put them you can make the due date when you wanted to so if that confuses you because you got one on the third one on the 24th one on the 17th make them all do the same day mm -hmm. or the, within the same week and so you know if you get paid bi-weekly or monthly that you got to just pay all your bills in the same week or day wow mm. and that helps that helps with it right this is amazing stuff man this this is whew. This that hot off the oven stuff. This that mama's cooking Thanksgiving for her. I'm so weak. This it's is, so important this, though. Yeah, so it is. Man. It is, and especially like you've mentioned about seven to eight different concepts and ideas around credit. That I think once people can absorb that, like I think people think they're in more worse off situations than they actually are. Mm -hmm, and yeah. like listening to these creative solutions and balance this and check this and you know move it right here and balance transfer it's like 
nah like there's some techniques and there's some different right. strategies that if, if you put them into action you you can set yourself up pretty well right so i want to i want to jump into that really briefly because it's a process because we started off with good credit we didn't know how to leverage it mm-hmm. and i only had good credit because i had paid down all my debt see i had ten thousand dollars worth of credit over two credit cards but they were pretty much maxed out so that time when I was pl- plotting to leave my job, I was paying down my utilization. But had I known, I could have just got other credit cards to hide that utilization. And I could have been wow. using that money to reinvest it into something else. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So I think it's important for people who might be watching this and they're like, where do I start? I have bad credit. Let's start there because it's yeah. a journey. That alone is a journey. So I want people, some people are worried about getting business credit, but their personal credit shot. Start with your personal credit, get that fixed. Learn personal credit. Because to get your credit fixed and to learn it are two different things. And I'm actually creating an ebook for beginners, like literally breaking it down in layman's terms so that anybody can understand it. What what are the three major bureaus? Who are the secondary bureaus? What do these terms mean? I got a whole like definition section before I even get into the book so people can understand what they're reading. Like I really make it dummy proof, so to say, so that while you're in the process of getting that credit fixed or if you don't know anything about credit, you just have it, you know, I want people to know the what and the why. You can learn the how after, but if you don't know the what and the why, the how will never work the way you want it to. So get that personal right learn that personal at the same time then you can transition once you get the personal hacks down transition to business because that's a whole another ball game right there you got non-pg business credit you got pg business credit so i really break down all of those things within these ebooks that i'm that i'm creating because i realized that um our ben her just went from 4500 followers to 13,000 in two weeks what because we share information about credit yeah, it's a need in our community, and it's so. Obvious. Once you start talking about credit followers, I've been talking about credit Tolu. I made reels and gave them hacks for credit. People use it and they saw success from it. I gave I gave them five business credit cards they could get without personally guaranteeing it. That reel did almost eighteen thousand likes. That reel went viral. That reel did probably five hundred thousand views, right. if not more. I did another reel where I talked about how they could get a business guy's credit card. That reel went crazy. So that brought our page up from 4,500 people to 13,000 legit in two weeks. And the crazy thing about it is that the, the, the one reel that made us go viral first was how you get um, how you get vending leads for apartments. Mm. That went viral first, got 100K. Then I, I seen that, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I started seeing, so, yeah, yeah, so I did it again, but with credit. And that thing took off. So then I dropped another credit one. And I was like, okay, this is getting crazy. Yeah, so I realized that it's a it's a huge need. People are focused on how they get out of their current situation. They can't even begin to fathom starting a business when they don't even understand their credit. They they, they want to get out of what's happening right now. Right. Yeah, the business, I'm interested in that. But I want to figure out how do I get out of what I'm struggling in right now. And a lot of times it's their credit. It's their financial situation. So I decided that's why I create. That's why I'm in the process of creating the ebook, And I have a credit class coming up because I know this information and I never wanted to really take this route. But I realized that this is this is needed so that like if I'm teaching you the vending business, if I'm teaching you real estate, you're positioned to be different from us. You don't have to use your personal money that you saved up to start these businesses. You're right. literally leveraging 
OPM, other people's money. Right. Mm-hmm. And like I say, OPE, we, we leverage other people's everything because <laughs> um, when you realize that this is what other communities and cultures have done, and mm-hmm. we become consumers and workers of their economies. And so I'm really trying to change that narrative so that like, I'm like, make this minimal investment because I'm trying to tell people the information I give is really going to change our life. Credit changed our life. And I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say that, but to be able to get a cash flowing asset that brings you in over a thousand dollars a month, some people's expenses are a thousand dollars a month. What would it look like to have been able to leverage credit to do that? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Some people's expenses are $2,000 a month. If you leverage your credit to get that asset, then you've paid off half of your expenses. And the way in which we're educating people, we're making it so, we're, we're so savvy about it that once you understand personal, you you gonna be ready to see business, right? And you are never gonna have to leverage your personal credit again. That's what we're building right now. And I think that's the, the reason why, like Mari said, understanding the what and the, um, like the what part of that, you know, the why the why. Yeah. yes, the what and the why before the how was very important because if I got, let's say I got a 550 credit score, you can get somebody to fix your credit. They might get you to a 700, but if you don't understand what actually happened to get to that point, you're going to do it again. Mm. So, you know, yeah. that's the reason why it's so important to actually understand what's happening, how to un- how to read your credit uh, credit report, how to manipulate the different bureaus and understand, okay, let me tap into Experian this time because I used TransUnion the last time. Wow. Um, like that's <laughs> that's literally going to keep you from, you know, not repeating the cycle and getting back into that situation. Like when I apply for those credit cards from um in order to use for the construction or the upgrades for our house, my credit score went down. At first, I literally woke up. I got a a notification on my phone, and I was at like a well, like a, a six fifty. Whoa! I freaked out because I was at like a seven forty. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe like a seven forty seven before. I woke up. My, I'm like, what is going on? And I had to go back in there and look at look at see what happened, and it was because I had increased. But now I'm back up to like a 720. So again, yeah, and, and, and Ryan so was like, inquiry dropped you that low? It wasn't no. just increase, it was the utilization. It wasn't just increase, it was the utilization too. Because when, when I, the new accounts, the increase, the utilization, I had started to use that money for the construction. But once I started paying it off, my score went right back up, right? And you could so use was, other cards. You could use the other cards like to uh, knock out some of the cash from that one right there. Correct. Um, or like Rari said previously, when she was, you know, paying off her credit cards and her, her score started going up, she could have just got a new credit card. So what I did, just in, when did I pop in Bro, my, my score went up 100 points when I paid off $10,000 in debt. And it could have went up 100 points with me just applying to a few credit cards. Right. <laughs> instead of paying $3,000. Yeah. And yeah. I actually applied for Navy Federal Cash Rewards in like what March? Or maybe February? Yeah, when I gave you the hack. She gave me the hack. I entered the data points. And usually when you apply for a credit card and you get new lines of credit, you know, sometimes the inquiry, you know, might cause your credit score to go down. But mine actually went up because they had approved me for 21.5. So it was like almost freeing up essentially 21.5, which I didn't have that much in debt, but it was freeing up that amount on my credit report in terms of my utilization. Exactly. So that's why it's so important 
for you to understand <laughs> the why, Man. the why behind you know what's happening with your credit report. Yeah, and that foundation. Absolutely, mm, I mm, mm. This this is this is a one right here, and <laughs> I, I was like to be able to take a lot because some of this information it seems like it would be obvious to people like oh man you just gotta do this but at the same time it's really not because when you think it's almost like you gotta go hunt for this information and then think about how am i going to use it because even rari was saying that if she had known she would have there's a different strategy you you would have used earlier on so it's almost like there's levels to it yeah but Again, what we talked about pre-interview, like the digital age that we're in right now, which has existed for the last 20 plus years, but it's even more reinforced because uh, content creators are in competition really with who can deliver the most free information that will be most valuable and beneficial to people, which will get their audience to have a more attractive liking to them. I have within her released information people want you to pay for. And the thing is to me that if they had just searched Google and YouTube, they would have found that information. But some people don't think about it until they see it. So Mm -hmm. when we went viral, I'm like, people are now unlocking the possibilities for themselves. Just like when I saw that tweet from Brother Graham, that unlocked the possibility for a vending machine business for us. That's what happens when you provide good information that's accessible and legible to people. Like I I break it down. You have to be aware of your privilege when you're educated. And so I try to break down things so to such a minute, you know, um, perspective that anybody, regardless of educational attainment, can understand it. And that's so important for our community. Like when I learned credit, I realized I didn't know nothing. Like our families, all I knew was that my parents, or I shouldn't say parents, but my family's credit shot. Nobody recommends credit because they never had good credit. They always say bad stuff about it because they never had good credit. So it's up to us to figure out, okay, it's that unlearning and relearning process. Let's unlearn that credit is bad. Let's relearn how we can leverage credit once we actually learn what it is let's not try to leverage it when we don't even know what it is like that's why like i told you we create educational uh, opportunities for people really to dive into that what and that why so that every time you do the how it makes sense this this is and like we need this as a community like big time like this is probably like a critical element because and I can see it now, like our counterparts and like you were saying earlier, like these different ethnic backgrounds, like they understand how to pull these strings. They understand how to manipulate the system so that they can put themselves in an the advantageous position. And I remember I was talking to uh, Rob yesterday, you know, the black people out here getting slaughtered. They oh, out yeah. here getting destroyed, like torn apart because yeah. they don't understand these systems and these, the, the, the architect and like you can pull this string and pull this knob and push this button and you know and some some don't want to understand because it seems like it's exactly. so complex it's like man yeah. like, oh, I'm just gonna do what i do you know like just gonna keep it pushing. Yeah. like you know it is what it is and it's like nah it's not what it is what it is it's yeah find out what it is that's the problem 
that's the problem. Yeah. No, what you said is so true. I definitely sorry for cutting you off, but I go ahead. I, you said something in the pre-interview that I can't really remember exactly what you said, but it was the, to the sentiments of there is a lack of education, and then behind that, the action, the execution yeah. of it. And I believe that so highly, and that you said that perfectly because that's how I always want to say it. But the words that I say don't come out like that most times. I'm like, there's some complacency in our community. Uh, but it's like when you get this knowledge, you have two options. You either don't act on it or you act on it. And so once we have access to the education, there can no longer be a reasoning or excuse behind not having access to it. Right. So once you get the education, it's like, now, what do I do with this? Somebody watching your podcast, you have all types of people come on here. Right. I've, I've seen some of the people you mentioned um, or I've looked at the page. Right. So I know what types of people are on here. So once people are watching this podcast and they are seeing the information we're dropping, even to the hacks that we pointed out, somebody can go on YouTube and look up credit card hacks. You can find out that if you have an Amex card, that you have rental car insurance, or that you have insurance that can cover the gap between the car that you're renting and what it's worth. I mean, it's just different things. Like if you pay your cell phone bill through your Amex card, they will replace your phone if something works, if something goes left. People don't understand the different things with these credit card holders. Or with um, Chase, for example, Chase allows you to merge your points. So Maya and I both have quite a few Chase credit cards. If we wanted to go on a vacation together, instead of me having 30,000 and her th having 30,000, they can't get nothing. We can merge those points together. Now we have 60,000 and we can get something. So it's stuff like that, that this is literally accessible via the internet that people can look at. Navy Federal, it's a credit union that is uh, designed for military, uh, folks who are in the military. So you should definitely be looking into it, right? Uh, veterans even. Yeah. Navy Federal, sorry, that's a something if you don't already have it, but Navy Federal allows I you. To, I um, got Navy Federal. Yeah, I figure that's like the go to. You got to be tapped in the Navy Federal. Navy Federal allows you to merge your credit cards. Did you know that? Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and front be like, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying, but it's little tricks like that that, like, for example, you got a credit card with Navy Federal. Maya said she got 21.5 on one card. Let's say she applied again and they only gave her 3,000. She's like, I just got this hard increase for 3,000. She can merge that 3,000. Now she has one credit card that has 24.5 instead of having one credit card that has three and one credit card that has 21.5. So, you know what I'm saying? So, like, then she can apply for that, that other card. No, you can't take that inquiry off because you already got the first open account. See, it's stuff like that. Like, <laughs> it's little conversations where we know which which bureaus we can go to and wipe off inquiry so we can keep a low inquiry. It's, it's little things like that. That's why I said you got to know the what and the why because it always makes sense when you're doing the how. What am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? That's so important because... Every single time we're having a conversation about an investment, we know how to move our money. We know how to line the ducks up. It has to happen like that. And I just, I, that's why I'm saying that it literally fucking blew my mind once I learned about credit, how much I did not know, even with a good credit score, even with a 782, like I was good. Um, and I tell people, if you looking for an 800 credit score, you're not leveraging your credit enough. Right. Like, if you got a high credit score, you're not leveraging it because it should be sitting low a little bit. You should have increase. You should have all of that. You should just understand different strategies to get rid of those things when you need to. Wow. Man, this is... Wow. This, this is it right here. This is... This is it right here. Like you need to, this is people need to be shown this. Like you need to set up courses, classes, ebooks, like 
out the wakuza. Oh, we are. Yeah. And uh Maya talking about uh compass and um real estate and I know as we wrap up, you know, kind of talk to us about like that and where you're headed with that and kind of some of the um plays or some of the uh deals that you've done w- within that. Yeah, so we've talked a bit about a bit about our single family that we uh, converted into a duplex. So that's like the bread and butter. Like that's like the fallback. You know, I know that the mortgage is being paid. I know that you know I'm being I'm profiting a certain amount for that upstairs unit. Um, and so that's going to stay. As we discussed, we're moving to Atlanta. So right now we're not really expanding anymore in Durham. Um, so we have the duplex and then we also have our rental arbitrage unit that we use for Airbnb. Um, both of those will, you know, stay. But I think that, you know, when it comes to the future for Compass, we are definitely going to hit the ground running with um, Airbnb arbitrage in Atlanta. Uh, but the biggest difference is that we're going to leverage business credit for those investments. So like I said before, Compass, we're in the process of getting our business credit up so that it can be ready to go um, when we you know, get to that next level. Um, and so I actually have a coaching program that is four weeks long. We meet once a week for about an hour, hour and a half. And we really just go through the ins and outs of the short-term rental business from start to finish. So the very found the, the the basic foundational pieces of getting your LLC, your you know business phone number, how to do that for free, your business domain or your email, um, how to legitimize yourself in a way that you look like an actual business, right? I don't look like Maya Chapman. I look like Compass Property and Development Group LLC. So, um, you know, really getting into that. And, you know, then figuring out different strategies. So I went the private landlord route, right? But there might other pe- be other people who go the corporate lease route with the large complexes. So mm-hmm. we talk about both of those, how to navigate both of them, um, then moving on into the furnishing piece and how to leverage credit with that. Um, giving some recommendations on, you know, this is how much you might need for your area. Every area is different. So like I said, we started with about $3,000. It might take a little bit more for some places or a little bit less. But I think that rental arbitrage is a really great way to get into um, real estate because there is such a low barrier of entry, right? Like you, if you purchase a home, you might need 15K, but you don't need 15K to start an Airbnb. So I think that that's the beauty of it. Like, you know, even if you could save $5,000, all right, this is my entryway into this. And as I build relationships with these corporate leases, I can expand, you know, as I build rapport with the, the leasing office or with my landlord, I can expand. They're going to start tapping us, you know, because, oh, well, you know, Compass, we have, they have a two units with us right now. We're about to open up some more. They've been great tenants so far. They've paid their rent. We haven't heard complaints. Let's tap them to expand. Um, and so... That's really the future of Compass. Like I said, we have the coaching program. Um, We just started for May. We actually have our second week or this upcoming week getting started. So if people are interested in that, definitely just DM us. It's called STR Hustle. You'll see things about about it on our page. Um, And it's very affordable, right? Again, the information that we're giving out that I'm giving and, and, and the conversations that I'm having and like the one-on-one support, the Facebook group, that's a private group for those in the program. Um, like the scripts, the resources, the lists, everything is literally listed out for you. And so, 
you know, right now it's very affordable. It's about it's two ninety nine a month. Well, you only pay it for once. You know, you pay it once, and you have lifetime, you know, access to it. Lifetime access to the Facebook group and to the other people in the program. So, um, in my opinion, extremely affordable because when you think about it, if you cash flow a thousand dollars in your Airbnb, you've already made your investment back. Exactly. Literally. So we have to start thinking about those things in terms of investing in ourselves because, you know, yeah, you can look up the information on Instagram, all the or on YouTube or Google, all the information that I'm providing is out there. Absolutely. But you're paying to avoid the mistakes that I made. You're paying to, you know, not have to do as much research as I did. You're paying for the contextual background and the contextual information that you might not have received just doing it on your own. Um, and then you also just have the camaraderie of being with a group of other people who are doing it. Like I have some women who are mothers and uh, from the last, I mean, really from both, both groups. Um, one of the young ladies that's in, that was in the coaching program for April, she has like a mommy and me uh, Instagram page. And so it's really just support uh, for mothers and their, and their little ones. And I think that that's super dope. And believe it or not, she, as well as a few of the other women who also have young children um, or children in general, they're going to get together and, and use group economics to get their Airbnb business started together. So it's just uh-huh. like, literally, they're like, all right, this person got the time. This person got the money. This person has the you know hospitality and the customer service experience. This person can build rapport. How can we put all those skills together to get to the same goal? Right? So... I think that it's really it's really important to just identify your skill set and other people who might have the skills that you don't have and then put them together to get to that same that same end point. And I think, you know, earlier when we were talking about like the job Rari, and you didn't like the job and my the job wasn't really fulfilling. This is what makes it so fulfilling because you're literally transforming people's lives and helping mm-hmm. them. positively impact the generations generations behind them and even some of these people they could not see the light like it was over like it was on the downhill trajectory like there was no coming up from that but when they tap into what you're providing and what you're being able to show them they're like not only was i able to pull myself out of the mud or like get myself out of that negative situation but i've set up these financial assets and I have a mental understanding that's going to help me continuously elevate and also help me right. you know because it's one thing to to teach somebody something is another thing like and I think that's what we need to not course creators that just want to make a quick buck but like course creators that like yo I'm really trying to see you level up in life I'm really right. trying to see you evolve to higher versions of yourself so you know that's that's exciting to see and um i think this generation you know like technology and especially like once COVID kind of dies down more and people are meeting up for conferences and retreats Mm -hmm. this is going to get so much more explosive and so much more (laughs) like um uh uh uh, rich in terms of like upliftment too as well absolutely Absolutely. I agree. And and my biggest motivation, honestly, at this point, because I really like my job. I really do. It pays well. It's nice. Like, I have flexibility. But the biggest motivation that I have to scale and to automate to the point where I don't have to work a nine to five anymore is time freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, let's say we're thinking about the folks with children. 
right? I don't have children, but eventually I will. So it looks like, you know, how can I, what if, what if I had businesses? What if I had, you know, 10 or 15 or even more Airbnb units that were automated to the point to where I'm just troubleshooting if there's a major issue. I have people to that are lined up to handle things, um, handle the day to day. And that gives me time freedom, which gives me more time to spend with my kids, which gives me more time to go on vacation with my family, which gives me more time to explore other forms of investment, right? Because there's power in diversity of, of your investment. So, you know, like, that's the biggest thing for me in terms of just like having the ability to have my time freed up and not trading time for money in such a transactional way. Not to say that being an entrepreneur or having your own business or having these things lined up in an automated way, it doesn't take time because it does, especially at the beginning, getting everything set up. Um, but once you're really able to let things coast, it's just a beautiful thing. And I've, and I've been able to see a glimpse of that with my duplex. Like, they literally only contact me if there's an issue, but I've done enough work up front to make sure everything's intact. Everything's up to code, things work, things are, you know, not falling apart. So that way they don't even have to contact me. They just pay their rent, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's that's really just the beauty of that. Yeah, no, and uh, man, I, I felt like I was on the journey with both of y'all, like the years of the ups and yeah. figuring things out. And I, I think it's super amazing because man, like we live in America and there's just so much more. Hey, you yeah. know, and y'all going to Atlanta and it's like, there's so many people that are like-minded and so many people that want to tap in and so many uh, business groups and things for you to tap into. So it's just like, this is just the, you know, Absolutely. Uh, hey, I mean, look, I feel like this podcast episode, people like you, you have to listen to this. Like if yo, my mastermind is out there listening to this, like this, what, like listen to this like two, three times because there were so many gems and like, even like I, I took away so much from this, especially credit and like being creative and like business, like it's, it's super amazing. How can people get in contact with you in terms of like if they want to get into credit or, you know, real estate or like the vending, you know, machine world and business? Absolutely. So um, the name that people will see right there at the bottom, Vendher and Compass, you can search both of those on Instagram. My Instagram is underscore Vendher. I uh, want to put emphasis is Vendher, not Vendor or any other name. Um, and then Compass is at Compass PG. That's how you can get in touch. Maya's platform focuses on first-time homebuyers and the short-term rental piece, both arbitrage and owning it. I focus on um, some real estate, mostly through mobile home investing, um, but I, I strictly stick to uh, the credit and the vending piece because those are a little bit more accessible and necessary for people. So we utilize both of our platforms for both of that. So yeah, we'll say that. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. Okay. I mean, we're, this is the end. We're wrapping up. Is there anything that, you know, you want to get off your chest? You want to let people know? Any uh, last words? I always got words. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it up like this. Um, I say this all the time. Um, sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta pay for seats at the table mm -hmm. and as a full-time entrepreneur i hope you all understand the value of yourself and the value of the time and space that you take up so 
figure out how you can literally monetize everything. And monetize, I don't always mean fiscally. I mean, literally every single moment that you spend doing something with someone, how can you receive something back from that? Um, I really believe in a law of reciprocity. And I think it's necessary as humans that you get something for what you put out there. Um, I know you probably know Wall Street Trapper, but he says money is power, time is leverage. I believe that his, that's his quote. And we only have one life. We saw through COVID that a lot of people passed away through COVID. And it's important that um, while we're experiencing all of these different transitions that are happening in the world, we figure out how to come on top of it. And black people have a lot of catching up to do from systemic issues that have been placed upon us. Um, but at one point in time, there's no longer, it's no better time than now, really, yesterday, really, because we cannot wait for other communities to come and save us. It will not happen. It will not. So That's right. my perspective is that we really have to land into group economics and more than fiscally understand how each person has a role in your community. If Maya's good at real estate, but I'm good at credit, how do we come together and barter? Mm. You know, Tolu was good at spreading people's stories. And I'm good at whatever it looks like, or sponsoring it, like whatever that might be. How do we figure that out and make this work so more people can see the people you're bringing onto your show, like us, for exposure? Right? This is a labor of love that Tolu is doing. So I think that it's important that we spend more time strategizing so that we can really unionize. And you know, without unity, you can't have community. So I really feel like we can focus on how we um, get rid of the get rid of the division in our community so we can really figure out how we uh, almost in a way militarize so that we can come on top of this this stronghold that capitalism has on us because mm. way beyond a race thing it definitely race impacts it but it's capitalism that's at the root of it and so once we understand how we can operate within this system I think we'll be better off and I'm going to end off on this uh, my good sister Audrey Lord says that you can't tear down the master's house with the master's tools and I totally agree with that but I think that one thing we should do is figure out how to take the master's tools that we created we, we created these tools and go and build our own houses with it so let's figure out how we can keep our dollars and our economies within our community and I guarantee you we'll never lose as much as we are you know what I'm saying there's wealth in our communities that's why you see Asian Jews and everybody else come, especially white folks coming into our communities and building wealth and using nepotism in their communities to bring their people up mm. it's not poor our communities are not poor they've been rich nah. land. we've been rich right so we gotta lean into that start where we are use what we have and do what we can wow thank you thank you for who you are Thank you for what you bring to the table. Thank you for going through the years of personal development. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. I enjoyed this. Yeah, this, this is nice. great. You great to you. Anytime, anytime, yeah. anytime. My masterminders, until next time, I'm gonna leave the links below. Tap in, tap in, tap in. Especially, I love like the vending machine business in terms of like a low barrier to entry. Like, look, it's, it's a it's a box that has snacks in it. Learn how to get the business. For yourself. Stop yeah. making excuses. Look, real estate too as well is so key. It's so critical in the credit. Like I'm telling you, like 90% of everything you talked about credit today, I, I had no idea. Like all those are, are new to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like across the board, like so many people, they need they need that information like in their lives. So they, they could be like, you know what? Like I'm a 
hit that left degree right there, right? I'm gonna make this play and like, this is gonna be the game plan instead of this being out here trying and getting slaughtered by the system. Cause you, you are right, you know, like we, we are in a capitalistic community society that they want you to be ignorant. The, the more ignorant you are, the more yeah. you enrich in their pockets, the more that right. they're able to create generational yeah. wealth and assets to pass down to their own future Absolutely. members and families. So thank Absolutely. you for everything that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, masterminders, until next time. Hey, I appreciate you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast. Again, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. And blow up my inbox, man. I need to hear your suggestions, feedback, people I need to interview next, topics I need to cover. Again, I appreciate all y'all. And while you're at it, you might as well go to Apple and drop that review. Let's get it. Rah.